Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is Ordered. Mike Wilson, a.k.a. 2-5. Mr. Logical. <laughs> Big Wrath in the house. We back, y'all. We about nine minutes away from the start of the national title game between UConn, don't call them Connecticut, and San Diego State. What happens if San Diego State wins, y'all? Is this going to be the new normal? Or is this just an anomaly? I know what you're hoping for. Josh Allen needs what? He needs help. I just thought he needed to make the short throw. I mean, they got the defense. What's up? The Lakers are coming. Are you scared? Sacramento might be. We'll just have to see. Why aren't these teams prepared? I want to know. Raph wants to know. And, of course, we got some things to get off our chest. What's up, Raph? What's going on? Just uh, you know, say another episode. Like I said, you and Mike informed me earlier. We got over a 1,000 views on YouTube. So round of applause to the audience. I mean, appreciate that respect. Uh, yeah, we just, uh, like I said, we're just enjoying the moment. We got some sports to talk about, you know, so we'll get into it. Hey, yo, pardon me. You know what I'm saying? I might be looking at my phone from time to time because I got the game on my phone because I learned that when I watch TV, I get too distracted and I don't be paying attention. So, you know, I'm going to watch it from the phone. March Madness app, what up? So, Raph, if San Diego State wins this game tonight, what does it mean? I think it means that what we want, the parity you want, is available. I mean, it's out there. You don't want the same teams. Do we really need to see the same teams every single year in a one-and-done tournament? How much fun is that? You know, I know people don't really like the Cinderella because they think it brings the ratings down. But it's like I think the ratings go down when people start pushing out this story that it's not good for college basketball. Like it's a one and done tournament. Normally, you get you probably have about eight to twelve teams preseason that you think can win it all, and sometimes they don't make it. You know, it's a Final Four, then it's a championship game. Everybody's not supposed to make it, but the tournament format that they have is exciting. It's not predictable. I mean, if you think about the college football, we know if they put a certain team at five and another team at four, and the team at four is, in, is not from one of the power five conferences, you know as soon as the championship weekend is over, they move in that team from five to four and a team from four to five. It's happened multiple times. Here, the committee laces their 16, 68 teams, set them up in four regions, and say, have at it. They roll out the ball to center court and see who's going to come out victorious. That's the best way to determine, especially because mathematically it's worked out to where, you know, one, twos, and threes are normally in the final four from the four regions. You're not in a situation where you got a, a five or four, another five playing a nine, but you still had the excitement of the buzzer beater because that's what you like. 
we like the buzzer beater. NBA playoffs, it's a seven-game series. You get a buzz like Derrick Rose hit a buzzer beater in game three against Cleveland, and Cleveland still won that series. It was dope. Everybody lifting him up. He had the Derrick Rose face. He was like, <laughs> when he hit the bank shot three, but ultimately LeBron hit a buzzer beater in that same series, but it didn't end the series. The series still had to go three, four more games. So mm-hmm. I think the you know the the guard pulling up from the right side, shooting that jumper, solidified it. Boom. We up 72, 71. We're going to the national championship game. Not meet me in two days so we can run it back. Like no. So you got to be on your A game. These teams that San Diego State beat, I think they were fortunate. We, I'm not going to say that their path was super tough, but they beat Charleston. That was a 12 seed. Furman beat UVA. UVA was, you know, they won a national championship a few years ago, but they also had the situation where they were the first 16 to lose to a one. So you got to be ready for these moments. You have to know that they can happen to you. So you got Furman, Alabama. I don't know what was going on with Alabama. Maybe Brandon Miller and the – the legal situation might have gotten his head a little bit because I think he had a pretty bad tournament. Eight for 41. He had a bad tournament. So you run into a team that has something like that. And you had Crichton. Crichton was a six seed. Then FAU was a nine seed. And that had matched up against UConn as a four seed. So I get that it's not a difficult run, but the to win this many games in a row is difficult in and of itself. Teams you've never seen before, teams on your conference, teams you never scouted, and to go out there, they trailed a lot. They trailed a lot of minutes since the Sweet 16. But, you know, you just, if you're a scrappy team, a team that believes in each other, you come back and you win. I think that's what you want. You want, you want people to, I think that resembles more of the common fan's life than just being a team like Kansas, a team like Kentucky team like Indiana, these blue bloods that just basically people go there because their father played there or they grew up rooting for him. And like, I'm going to go to Indiana. I'll be the seventh dude on the bench, but I want to go to Indiana. I want to go to Kentucky. I want to go to Kansas. It's good that it has these teams that can run through the tournament, you know, shout out to the transfer portal, getting players moving around and making certain teams better, you know, get a guy with some experience. And you get in there and you battle with the big boys. Yeah, speaking of which, you know, like both of these teams pulled from the transfer portal. You know, um, San Diego State probably pulled more people that affect the game to game. But this is a team that during the regular season, their leading scorer averaged 13 points a game. It was more like 12.7, but I'm just rounding up. You know, and what confuses me about all this is – You always hear people say, you know, I want people to play the right way and I want people to do this and do that. And that's what San Diego State has done. You know, they've played tough defense in an era where in the NBA people complain about the defense. You know, they've got comebacks. If UConn came back from 14 down against somebody, we talk about how all-time great it was. You know, San Diego State go down 14. They don't belong because they shouldn't have never been down 14 in the first place. But, you know, and I was looking at this. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, um, their leading scorer, Matt Bradley, averaging only 13 points. But he's a transfer from Cal. You know, um, Darian Trammell or Trammell, you know, he came from the University of Seattle. You know, he came through averaging 20 and a half and five the second year, 17 and five. 
And he was first team all conference in his conference before he came to San Diego State. You got Micah Parrish, you know, who made all defensive team in the Horizon League. So, you know, they went out and got some players that may not have been marquee superstars, but they fit what they were trying to do and fit their system. And as yeah, I mentioned, you make it work. You get right. talent, you make it work. And as I mentioned on the Final Four special the other day, you know, San Diego State just two years ago during the COVID year, they went 30-2. and two. They just didn't get to prove themselves because we didn't have a tournament that year. You know, that was the year of Obi Toppin and Dayton. One of those two teams was probably going to make the Final Four that year. So, so I think, like, the issue that people have is it's cute when George Mason makes the Final Four, Loyola to Chicago, Wichita State. You just don't want them to all make it at the same time. And, <laughs> and you know, and March Madness is built off of this. You know, we talked about the Drew kid at Valparaiso. You know, we talked about Gordon Hayward being inches away from hitting the shot against Duke. But it, seems, inches. but it seems as though we want the March Madness in the first two rounds, and then once we hit the Sweet 16, we want business as usual. You know, um, so what does this mean? It means, first of all, the madness is here. You know, second of all, you know, going forward, I don't know what this means because when I go back and look at the national champions and, you know, me and Raph, you know, we talked about this before we got on here. We talked about the national champions, and what we found was that Butler was really the only team since UConn won their first title in 99. That's where I started it at because UConn has a chance to go five in 24 years. So, you know, that's a big deal because even already they have the most titles in that window, you know. But just for some quick, you know, quick hits real quick. So Butler made the national title game in back-to-back seasons in 2010 and 2011. If you count Memphis as a mid-major, they made the title game in 2008. That was the Derrick Rose year. Hit a free throw, and Kansas has one less championship. But all the rest of the years, like in that window, there's a whole lot of North Carolina, a whole lot of Dukes from Kentucky, Louisville, Villanova. You know, Gonzaga got through the two title games. And we're underway in the national title game. But, you know, but but it's just one of those things where are you not entertained? You, <laughs> you know, like, like has the tournament not been – forget the teams for a second. Forget the fact that the Final Four was filled with teams that you're not familiar with. Was the tournament fun? Did we have buzzer beaters? Did Marquise Noel from Kansas State come out of nowhere – did we have a 16 beat a one only for the second time in history? You know, have these coaches that won these games got jobs basically the next day after they pulled these upsets. This Legit. is what college basketball is about, college sports. You know, just like in real life, you know, everybody supports the big guy, you know, like the oil companies, the tech companies exploiting their employees. You're the little guy at home that they're exploiting. But you want these kids to get exploited. And then when the little guy comes up and wants to snatch victory from the jaws of these big guys, everybody wants to like, no, 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 stay in your place. You don't belong. This is a one and done tournament. This is I beat you straight up. This wasn't a vote. It wasn't like, hey, let's analytically evaluate each team right. and then give them a ranking and say, okay, cool. Uh, you are analytically more acceptable to Charleston. So you get to move on the first one. Like, no, they had to play him. 
and they played them close. They, I think they won that game by single digits. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about San Diego State. Yeah, yeah, and they had, like I said, they had a nice little run. And what you know, it wasn't it wasn't tough, but they still had to win those games, and they still had to play. And for some reason, the fans, it's like the fans want. Everyone's talking about how much eggs cost. Remember, everyone's talking about how much gas was and water prices during hurricanes. People hate spending money. But yet, because there's no true blue blood Final Four, the prices of the tickets from last year to this year dropped like 91%. Essentially, they were like over $2,000 for tickets last year. I looked on this before we started a little pre-meeting. You could buy a ticket for $147 in the lower bowl section at this tournament for $147. So it was like, do people, like, you have an opportunity to see a championship game if you live in Houston, but you don't want to go because of Alabama isn't playing Kansas and Duke isn't playing against, you know, Baylor or something like that or Houston and you don't have to pay $2,000. You you just want the big names there so you can say I spent this money to go there. You know, it it just it just blows my mind. It's like it's I get it's a humble brag you got this extra cheddar you want to spend, but you can still get good quality basketball. It's still a moment. It's still going to be a monumental moment cuz either it's going to be you can't win another title which is going to keep them rising up echelon of college basketball mm-hmm. or it's going to be San Diego State coming out of nowhere. I mean, you got the ultimate conceptually to David and Goliath. I'm like, why wouldn't you want not want to see that? Oh, San Diego State with the early six two lead, but you know, but you know, like it's crazy because, like I said, UConn won their first title in '99, and what's crazy about that is one that was the year I graduated high school, you know. But Shut also, up. what's crazy about that is if they win tonight, not only are they five and zero in national title games, but they're only one or two titles behind Carolina. All time, they tie Indiana in titles if they win tonight. They're only three behind Kentucky if they win tonight. They tie Duke if they win tonight. And this is just since 1999. So even if UConn wins, we aren't even appreciating them, you know, as the big name. You know, this is a dominance that we haven't really seen in a certain way that didn't involve your traditional school. But going forward, does it matter? I think it matters in the lens of right now, this was an unpredictable season. Small sample size because it's just one season. Now, if the Final Four looks like this next year or sometime within the next two years, then we may be on to something. But right now, this is just a transition to a new era. You know, we had the super, you know, the senior era where you had teams like Duke and Carolina beating on the Fab Five. You know, Fab Five couldn't get over the hump. Then we went Time to the out, travels, technicals, all that. Yeah. Then we went to the one and done era, which like John Calipari is the face of one and done, you know, but Duke took it over and, you know, won some titles under that as well, you know, and now we're in the transfer portal era. So I mentioned the players that uh, San Diego state brought in, you know, in the transfer portal, you know, but the cream always rises to the top. You know, there's going to be more dudes trying to transfer, to Kansas and Kentucky on average than there are trying to go to San Diego State or Florida Atlantic. Now, Florida Atlantic is going to a new conference next year, tougher competition. They're going to be playing Memphis and Houston, or actually not Houston because Houston's leaving, but they're going to be playing Memphis, Cincinnati, Temple, 
Maybe not Cincinnati either because they leave it too. This is ridiculous. But anyway, all the movement, yeah. yeah, all the movement. Follow the but, money, but, you know. But but like, I don't know. We might get the next Gonzaga out of this, you know, because back in '98, Gonzaga was a unheard of. Even though they had John Stockton, the all-time leader in NBA assists and steals, and nobody just sat around talking about Gonzaga. And now Gonzaga's a staple household name in college basketball. Ranked number one at certain times throughout the right. year. Had an undefeated season, regular season. You know, the rivalry games were on TV when they played. You know, St. Mary's. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Because that was Gonzaga. It wasn't Gonzaga and Bradley. Gonzaga, Bradley, and Towson. Gonzaga, Bradley, Towson, and you know Illinois State. It was just Gonzaga. And, you know, and in a few years, possibly next year, San Diego State's probably going to be in the Pac-12 anyway. So if they make the Final Four again in two years, are you going to suddenly be okay with it because they're in the Pac-12? Just because they changed conferences? Yeah. It's going to be the same concept, same size school, same type of basketball program. Their program, their basketball program isn't going to jump up that much. The transfer, the move to the Pac-12 is probably more of a football move anyway. Right. And, but I think and, what it is is that people just like I don't say people because that's just kind of generalizing. It's it's okay for sports to change organically, not forced, just like hey, this team got good. They started bringing in recruits. The coach that they hired worked, the scheme that they run works, working their offense this way, their defensive strategy. It's quality basketball. When it's working at this level, especially like I said, you have this one and done tournament. I mean, this guy is his jumper. I still think he stepped out of bounds. It was like I haven't seen any different angles. It looked close. I mean, I don't know if the refs were just kind of looking to see if he got well, like just focused up more because they knew the shot was going to go up. But it looked like he stepped out. But with that being said, if they call him being stepped out, now you have a number nine seed in the championship game, which has the most wins in the country. So. Is the number next on the left side bothering you? Because they have 30 wins. You know, you have the wins to back up. Well, like well, you, you know, the you're thing playing is, quality basketball all year long. So it's like I should be I should be able to compete. And this is open up opportunity to compete. Well, you know, the thing is we talked about seeding yesterday with the whole like LSU and Iowa, you know, seeding conundrum. And you know, a lot of the times the seeds just come down to we got a couple of teams from the same conference in the same region, and we want to avoid a matchup till the sweet until the Sweet 16 if we can. So, you know, FAU is probably a five seed, realistically, you know, going off of their record and everything. You know, San Diego State might have been misseeded, you know, just because that's how the bracket fell. Because San Diego State got on that court with Alabama, and sorry to say, it was Alabama that didn't belong. You know, so, you know, going forward, I don't think this is going to be an epidemic of this is what we're going to see in the future. It's just going to be normal. You're going to have a year where Wichita State makes it through and gets to the final four. A Butler gets through to the final four. But I don't necessarily think that we're going to have a final four as we had this year. Because even when you look across the other side of the bracket, UConn with their four titles. Yeah, they're not a brand name, but. Miami is in the ACC. So, you know, is and, and speaking of this, that's what I wanted to get to. The Pac-12, I don't want to hear it. The Pac-12 has not won a national title since 1997. 
you know, and that was Mike Bibby and Miles Simon beating up on my Kentucky Wildcats in overtime, <laughs> you know. So, 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 like, that's the last Pac-12 title. Your boy Tom Izzo, Mr. March, has not won a title since 2000. So just because these teams may get to a Final Four or get to an Elite Eight, that doesn't guarantee they're going to play for it the title or even win often. it. Jim yeah, Beheim, coach 45 years, has one chip. Yeah, I mean, do people just consider that, Syracuse he got to that be a blue 20 blood? years into his – he got that in 2003. So that means he coached for like 20, 25 years without winning a championship, gets Carmelo, rides that all the way to a championship, and then 20 years later still doesn't have another one. Right, because it's not a stain on his legacy, even though I can't he have these legacy and, conversations. And oh, by the it's way, just the way that the tournament plays out is just you might not always get one versus one, one versus one, and then one versus one in the championship game. You just got to deal with it. And by the way, not only is the late great Tony Gwynn the all time assist leader in San Diego State basketball history, but it's also the school that gave you Kawhi Leonard. And y'all love Kawhi. And we love Kawhi. Him you and know, Paul George are gonna take over LA. Remember all that talk? Yeah. yeah so, later. so so their coach, you know, um San Diego State's head coach, you know, he was an assistant there for 18 years before he took over in 2017. This is the this is the American dream. Yo, you, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, the whole coal miners rugged blue collar americana persona that we we sell the american dream these teams that make it out of these obscure areas even though san diego's not really obscure but as far as basketball there's pretty much basketball right, obscurity right, right. for them to make it there that butler shot i if i could go back in time and change a couple of things in sports atlanta would have ran the ball on second down and gordon hayward's shot would have been two inches lower just so Butler would have beat Duke because I want this to happen. You want it to happen because other than that, you're never going to have any parity. Yeah. It doesn't have to happen every year. It doesn't have it doesn't to happen have to, every other year. I just need it to happen. I need to like, see like, it. You need, it's, it's cool to see. It was cool to see the giants beat the 18 and 0 Patriots, even though you want to see 19 and 0, 19 and 0 is great. But now that 19 and 0 is still available, you still have that to look forward to as a sports fan. Like is another team is a team going to go 20 and 0 now they have 17 games. So now you have that like mystique, but you also have the moment with the helmet catch. You have Tom Brady getting hit thousands of times by the Giants line. Like so you you have these moments because the underdog rose up. Michael Vick in Virginia Tech Hokies almost beating Florida State when they was up by one point. Yo, in Virginia we were like we were like, "Yo, this might go down. And then Florida State, being the powerhouse that they are, ran off a couple uh, – they scored on the next couple of possessions. And, you that know, the Jim's taking up losing. You know, and, Shout and, out to and, Peter Ward. And that's the thing. You know, like like I said, this doesn't have to – like I wish that we were old enough to remember. Like I remember UNLV, you know, Anderson Hunt, Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony. I'm old enough to remember them. I'm old enough to have watched them win the national title. but. I was a youngin at the time, so I didn't have the context of what that meant in the grand scheme of things. But they made three Final Fours within a five-year span. You know, they won the one title. I still think some shadiness was going on in the game they lost to Duke for the title. 
you know, but whatever. But but you know, but UNLV won that title. What was the react? I want to know what was the reaction when UNLV played Duke for that title. You know, when when they won, what was the reaction to that? Were people turned off then? You know, or was UNLV polar? Or yeah, were they polarizing enough? Because you know, not to do like the race thing, but like UNLV is one of the first teams that I remember that was like heavy in the hood that way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like Georgetown, you know, like they were like a part of, even us. though people don't like the thing about Georgetown is always funny is that Georgetown, I didn't realize even after I was an adult that the school was like 90% every other race and like 10% black. And, uh, and and it's a religious and it's a, school. It's a religious school. It's a law school. I had no idea. Yeah, that growing like up, I thought Georgetown school. was an HBCU. I thought it was a hood school. Yeah, so you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things. Like, you know, like perception is reality. So, you know, so when Georgetown came along initially, you know, did they receive that same type of reaction? Like, I know John Thompson, rest in peace, was very polarizing, you know, the towel around his neck and the sweater and all that. So I know he was polarizing. And he also had Bayheim across from him in the rivalry, Georgetown, Syracuse, and all that. So there was like a racial element there, like with the Celtics and Lakers. You know, people talk about how the Celtics were white America, the Lakers were black. So you had that going on. So yeah. it might have been interesting to see those teams get prominent because it became a national thing. UNLV became a national thing. The Fab Five, you know, followed UNLV almost simultaneously. They came right after or, or almost consecutively following UNLV, whereas the Fab Five got some pushback, you know, because of the bald head. The baggy and shorts. The baggy bald shorts head, baggy and all shorts, that kind of the stuff. The Barclays. You know, but, but people wanted to see the Fab Five because they ended up losing to Duke and Carolina. So, like, they got their comeuppance. Like, so people were watching – like the Yankees, they wanted to see Michigan lose. You know what I mean? And like, but with these teams, I don't even think it registers in that way. Like, you know, they don't want to see San Diego State lose. They don't want to see FAU lose. They just don't want them there at all. It's weird because like you have so many forms of entertainment. Like right now, I got the game on my TV. I could probably put something else on my phone right now. And if I want a little box to have something else in the corner here, I can have it. And I think people have such a vast amount of entertainment that right. if if you don't enjoy it all, you got to complain about something. And I think people people have been complaining about this aspect of the tournament the whole time, and people aren't even really talking about how a team from Jersey knocked out the number one, like a sixteen seed team from Jersey knocked off the number one, a number one seed. It's like that's a big deal. Furman 13 knocking off a four. I mean, it's like it just it just it's way better and another storyline to enjoy. Yeah, knocking off a two. You know, Princeton. and don't forget, I mean, not love, only did a 16 beat the one, but the one fifth. had the national player of the year. Exactly. And Princeton has done this before with the backdoor cuts. What uh what was it? What was the coach name? Pete um Pete Carrillo. Carrillo, yeah. Yeah. So with the with the the the, the polo with the sweater yep. with the sweatshirt on top, so we've seen Princeton do it before. So we'll see him do it in the '90s and then do it. They've done it, you know, periodically. People mm -hmm. tend to pick them because of the the bounce passes, the backdoor cuts, the screens, ball screens, off the screen. I mean, stuff like that. 
don't know. It just it just seems like people just want it one way, and it's like it's it's a bunch of different ways. It's the other way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, so right now, you know, San Diego State has missed their last eight shots. We're at the under twelve timeout, and you know, fourteen to ten UConn. So you know, um, we got a decent game so far starting out. But Raph, don't look now. But if you look over the left side of your shoulder, you might see Anthony Davis coming up behind the SWAT. Our topic: the Lakers are coming. <laughs> you know, should the, should the West be scared of the Lakers? All right, I don't want to say the whole West because I think that it kind of implies that the Lakers are going to win it. What I do think about the oh, West not? is that I'm not sure. <laughs> and the reason I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I think if you want to pick a team to win the West, your best easy bet is just to pick Denver. Everyone is talking about all these other teams that might be a threat to Denver. The easiest bet is to pick Denver because I think they're the only team out West with over 50 wins. They've been the number one seed pretty much the entire year. They have the MVP candidate on there. This is third year, about to win the MVP. They have continuity. They got Jamal Murray back. They 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 just have guys in position to do what these guys are supposed to do. Every other team, Memphis is doing well, but we don't know if their chemistry, because we heard the stories about chemistry with John Morant and the rest of the team when he was going through a suspension. Then you have Sacramento that's young. They don't play great defense or effective defense. Then at four, you've got Phoenix, continuity issues. Five, you have the Clippers, the Clippers or the Warriors. They're, I think Clippers they're are the Warriors. Right yeah. Clippers have injury and old knees on their side. That's going to hold them back. The Warriors have their road ineptitude that's going to hold them back. So the Lakers could potentially get to six. They could potentially get to five. They're only a half game out. So they could they could get up to that that point where, especially if they don't have to play a play in, like if they can get to six, and Golden State or L.A. or the Clippers, however it falls out, one of them ends up at seven, and the Lakers just happen, you know, be at six. Now they can sit and watch maybe one of these other teams knock them off. Maybe OKC knocks the team off, and they get to seven eight. And that makes the path even easier because there's every team out west has questions. We're going to talk about Dallas later, um, but every team has questions out west. I think the Lakers have continuity questions, but I think they have probably the most unguardable player in AD when he's hot. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there's a defender out west that you can put on him on any team. You can't put Zubas on him straight up. Maybe Kevon Looney because he'll use all his energy on defense. He doesn't have to get the ball. So I think that might be a bonus. Like if they, if somehow it plays out that they match mm-hmm. up, you have Sabonis can't guard him. No one in OKC can guard him. Mm. Yoke can't guard him. Sorry, Tracy Wolfson. Anyway. Yeah. So I think. <laughs> I think, and with the Lakers, I think their second best player is an aging, you know, superstar in LeBron. I think he understands that, oh, I could just feed AD and save my energy and just let him get 
36, 37 points on these guys, 12, 14 rebounds. And then the role players playing a role. I think they, they have it, they have it set up to where if they were healthy, like if 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 they were healthy, I think Denver Denver would be an easy pick. But I think the health factor is what's gonna determine it. And honestly, you gotta see how it plays out. Because if they got a plan to plan, that could be one or two extra games depending on how it shakes out. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. you know, Denver might be sitting a guy for two or three games and they're well rested. And and I think that's my question is the health because I was reading, you know, um, nothing serious it sounds like, but D'Angelo Russell, you know, has another nick, you know. Um, you know, he just keeps hurting his ankle, you know, his foot. Like he's just got something nagging that's going on and it, I feel like it re-aggravates every few games. So, you know, that could be a thing down the road, you know, because they're a different team when he's around as well. You know, they have, I remember when we talked about the play-in initially, I said, hey, the Lakers need some shooting. You know, they went out and got Malik Beasley, you know. They went out and got Rui Hachimura, you know, who, like, Darvin Ham learned that he can't bench, you know. So, like, <laughs> the Lakers are still figuring it out. This is a team that came together post-trade deadline. And the good news is, since the trade deadline, they're number one in defensive net rating. So that was a big thing before the trade deadline was they couldn't stop anybody. So, you know, now they're there. But now, you know, my question is, I know that LeBron James went to the LeBron James of feet, but should he have went to the Michael Jordan of feet? Never mind. Uh, you know, so as I was – sorry, I had to. But, uh, you know, but they are 6-1 and one in their last seven games, you know, um, and also since the trade deadline – they're allowing the second lowest effective field goal percentage. So that goes back to the defense that I was talking about. But they have played some pretty mediocre teams. So like they have, have that's to, what I was just about to say. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, get caught up in fool's a, gold. A, yeah. Just, you got to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. Cause they did beat the Rockets last night, you know, by 20 or what, plus, 20 plus. You I know think what I mean? Two and three NBA players could probably get put 78 up on the Rockets. <laughs> yeah, and they and they got the Jazz tomorrow. So for all intents and purposes, that should be another win. You know, so like now it just for me, it just comes down. I, I know I'm not stating anything crazy here, but it comes down to matchup. You know, if they end up at the six, I think they could take Sacramento. You know, if they end up at seven, they could probably take Memphis, and and I would love to see Jaron Jackson Jr. against Anthony Davis. Like I can't, I can't see them beating Memphis. I just don't know. Like Memphis has done a lot of talking for a team that hasn't accomplished anything, you know. Yeah, but I think the matchup, I think that'd be a bad matchup for them because Memphis has a superstar in Ja. They have a defensive big man who can also score mm-hmm. in Triple J. And then they have... Yeah, he the could get pest. AD out the paint. They get AD out the paint, or he could defend AD, or I don't know how the whistles are going to go this offseason. I haven't gotten that script You know yet. how the whistles are going to go. The Lakers shoot like 400 more free throws than their yeah, opponents. Because they, they don't shoot any threes. They do everything down low because they couldn't you shoot know, threes. But that's crazy. Okay, once again, that number's inflated because they don't shoot a lot of threes, so they're always at the hoop. So that's why Golden State is definitely never going to shoot as many threes as a team that goes. But you, but you know what's funny about that? They get all those free throws, but as a team, they're twentieth in free throw percentage. 
So, like, so yeah. they're not even taking advantage. They just of get them. a they just get a lot because they're always there. It's like it's like, man, why you always why you always yeah. wet? Oh, we got time out. San Diego State twenty to twelve. You know, San Diego State still hasn't really hit a shot probably since you know I mentioned the score the first time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, are... but yeah, the Lakers—they're they're pretty much giving up the paint. So so the I'm Lakers are like a team. They're a team full of contradictions. You know, so like I mentioned. They're they're um, 20th in free throw shooting, even though they lead the league in total disparity and receiving free throws. They're sixth in rebounding, but they're number 18 in offensive rebounding. You know, so it just doesn't make sense to me, you know. Uh, but going back to the matchups, you know, if they end up at the five, like they could beat Phoenix just because of the chemistry issues that you mentioned. But I think I would pick Phoenix. You know, um, I'd I'd have them over Phoenix because I think I think the Chris Paul matchup would be tough for Phoenix to overcome. Uh huh. Uh, I don't think they could beat the Warriors, like unless the Warriors still don't show up on the road. Like I'm thinking, and I know I'm gonna get myself in trouble by thinking this, but I think the Warriors will fix some of the road problems in the playoffs. Like they'll the, the Warriors are still able to steal a road game in a series. You know, like but a road game. They need. Yeah, they just need to steal one. Yeah, they just need to steal one against the Lakers. They need to steal one. You know, if the but I'm here, I'm here for Lakers and Clippers. That's what I want to see. I want the Battle of L.A. in the playoffs. You know, um, like as of right now, I would probably pick the Lakers to win that series, but I have no idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, we, forget that. You would need. So we have like you would need if Golden State to fall to seven or yes. uh, six. So if it so if it stands firm right now, say like even with the play in, you got the Timberwolves and Thunder don't make it right now. I got the Pelicans eight, so that gives you Nuggets, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Lakers, Kings, Warriors, and then Suns, Clippers. Yo, just think about it, man. You ain't made the playoffs since two thousand seven. And then you you get in and you either end up with Steph or LeBron in the first round. <laughs> and it's, it sounds crazy because it, it seems completely inversed. But if you look at it, it's like they're down there for a reason. So if, I, if I'm like Brown, I'm like, but I mean, really? The West, the West is deceiving. Well, I, I don't know. I don't talk about the, the Kings. Record. We love the Kings. They only have six more wins than Golden State. I don't I don't know what the Lakers record would be if Anthony Davis had been healthy all season and LeBron like missed minimal games, load managing, whatever. Because we gotta factor that in. Like, so that's the problem when I'm looking at the Lakers in the playoffs. I have to go back and say AD missed a month and a half of the season. So yeah, they're down there. But that played a reason of why they're down there. And they had Russ, you know, at the time. And so this, it, is, this is a completely new team. It's a new team. Um, if LeBron didn't have a foot injury, say he had a shoulder or even like a knee, something that they can shoot up and sleeve up, and he can just kind of soldier through. I think the foot thing, you know, like I personally have flat feet. So even when I uh-huh. wear insoles, like I went snowboarding or whatever, I put insoles in my snowboard boots. But even then, you got to take a break. By so, no so, means so real am quick, I a real star quick. athlete, but so real feet. quick, Utah, UConn is on a 14-2 run. 
You know, it's 20 to 12. And I still haven't seen San Diego State make a shot. <laughs> they just don't score when I'm looking at the screen, apparently. They have scored, but you know, now it's 22 to 12. But danger time. But but you know, but but yeah, like like you know, I think that like it's gonna be matchup dependent, you know. Like I don't like as of today, if the Lakers were to play Denver, I would probably pick Denver. You know, just because the chemistry, well-oiled machine, you know, Jokic is pulling AD out the paint, even though Jokic is not stopping AD, you know, but Jamal Murray's back, you know, so Jamal Murray can offset LeBron, for example, you know what I mean? But the Lakers have Austin Reeves now as that X factor, but no playoff experience. So there's just a lot of questions there. I get, I get the playoff experience. Uh, I think that, factors in if your whole team doesn't have uh-huh. like if your whole team is young and your coach has had poor experience in the playoffs then that's one thing but if you have veterans on your team that have playoff experience especially a guy like ad who learned from lebron and then you have i'm not sure darvin hands coaching experience playoff wise i think he was in right. the san antonio yeah he coached three, the right? Milwaukee staff for you know, I think he was on their championship staff. Okay, so I mean, you you have you have some, but he wasn't in the know, seat. Some, yeah, but you 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 have some knowledge there. You have a person who's been in a room with someone who's talked in between games and made adjustments in big time playoff series. That's all you really need. Sometimes you need a guy if he doesn't have any experience at all. Then he doesn't know any better. So he's like, "Cool, one dribble pull up. I'm pulling up." If you got a guy that's thinking, like, because last year we were in the playoffs, I had this one to pull up and I kept missing it. But you got this guy reason. Like, okay, and, cool. And, but that's the thing. LeBron and, and AD. Jumper. But that's the thing. LeBron and AD are the extent of that playoff experience. Like, all Hachimura knows is how to get swept or, you know, win one game in the first round. D'Angelo ain't never been in the second round. You know, like, so, you know, there's, so there's a lot of dudes on the roster. But getting murked in the first round, that's, that's, you know, I mean, it's still experience. experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but you know and what then, I mean? Like I say, you and from what everyone talks about LeBron, like I've rarely heard him talk about this aspect of his game, but everybody else praises the way he can explain the other team's plays. And I think well, that's just because they can't help praising LeBron. So, you know. I'm talking about even players that he had traded. LeBron <laughs> need to tie his two, shoes too much during the game for me to praise him, biting on his fingernails. You know, but the Listen. Lakers are the Lakers are also 16th in turnovers, you know, sort of middle of the pack. They're uh fourth overall, but second in the West in fast break points. But I don't know how much that necessarily matters because obviously the game's gonna slow down and be played more from a half court standpoint during the playoffs. I think what we we are all selling, we're buying and selling optimism in regards to the Lakers. I think it would be good. Like, cause I mean, like I said, I'm I'm no doubt. Like, I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. I've always liked this game. I'm not gonna just be like, oh, I think they're gonna go out in the first round. But I gotta be serious. Is like, if you look at the way that the seasons played out, the top teams have been the top teams for so long. They've had very minimal questions. So you, it's unlikely that a team has had this many questions. Almost every team from four to seven. The Suns is like, can they gel with Kevin Durant? Then he gets injured. And then is Chris Paul too old? That's another problem. The Clippers, 
All right. Paul George's knees, Kawhi's knees. So I think we're all we all have all this this these these this hopefulness that is going to work out. But I think just realistically, you could just if you want to just put twenty five dollars on Denver and win fifteen and walk away with forty bucks, I don't think that'd be a bad bet. But so, so, if, I, like so, Lakers, so if I, I just randomly, if I was just randomly like yo Raph, I got an extra ten G's. Here you go. You got to split that 10 G's between two teams in the West. So, so you know, put it on to split the 5,000 on two teams that you think can win the West. One of those 5,000 going to the Lakers? Well, I would say, yeah, because I think the odds. Just because of the odds. Yeah. But in your heart, are you like, I'm putting this, like, outside of the odds, I'm putting this down because the Lakers are going to win the West. Or even just make the Western Conference Finals. Just make the I, Western. I, I I think they realistically could make the Western Conference Finals. I think so too. I just think it'd take two seven game series to do it, and I think that fourteen games and what's what are we looking at about fourteen games in about twenty four days, maybe calendar days, maybe maybe even less. Yeah, if you think about it, because you'll go. You go game one every other day for the most every part. other day. Yeah. So game one, then game two is on your third day. Then you get a travel day, and they, I think you still play the next day. So if you're if they're playing, generally speaking, yeah, I think you're still like so. If they get that seven two matchup and they got to go to Memphis, and this if they get a seven two matchup, that means they played at least one playing game. They got to go to Memphis, steal at least one of those games. And play so they play two games. Memphis get back to L.A. Yeah, I don't think LeBron can do one his. Day. I don't think LeBron can do his game one. I'm a feel it out. Thing, feel it out. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think he has the ability. Right. Yeah, I don't think he can do that with this team right now. And then if he and if he does, if he goes. The 2018 LeBron 51 8 and 8, and they lose. I'm great. I'm not saying like those points, but that kind of right, energy, right, that right. that kind of impact on the imprint on the game, being on every play, taking charges. If he does all of that stuff and they still lose, it it could end up the way that series end up where they get swept. Because and like, is that the only game that he can provide like that in a series at this point? Yeah, especially if you lose. If you, you know, if he yeah. does that, if he does that and win, then I think you go back to the hotel. Or you get back on the plane and you kind of rest easy because you AD, stole. You play great and you stole one. AD does have a habit, and you know every now and again, I'm not calling him a choker or anything like that, but he has these games where he takes ten shots or, you know, he just doesn't touch the ball a lot. You know, um, so they're just going to have to emphasize him early and often. No and that's matter gonna who be they're tough if they get Memphis because I think Memphis is probably the only team out west that has a guy that can defend him and then subsequently make him use energy on the other end. Right. Whereas Kevon Looney, if if he's not right by the hoop when he catches a ball, even if he is, I think he's still looking to pass. So I, th- I think that ca- one of those kind of matchups uh, could really hurt him. But I think he could dominate Sabonis. I won't say dominate, but he could really put a lot of work in Sabonis and make him work. And Sabonis probably, you know, come down making work the same way. But I think the the hell that AD would give him. I see a lot of foul trouble. 
You know, it's, it's almost it's almost like, and I, and I'm not making a player comparison because obviously they play differently, but it's sort of like Rudy Gobert. Like, as soon as you hit the playoffs, he becomes ineffective because he's on the bench so much. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand the Rudy Gobert on the bench in the playoff thing. Is like just put him in a position where, hell, just give the other guy the open shot. Yeah. Fix well, he does. Well, I think it comes down anger to anger him. Well, I think it comes down to our everybody's trying to outwarrior the warrior thing. Like Rudy Gobert's not going to stretch the floor in that way. So, like, remember, I think it was uh, was it in the bubble, the Lakers against the Rockets, and um, Houston just couldn't space the floor because they were playing Russ at center or something. And you know, like during the regular season when they had Clint Capella. You know, he was able to catch the lob from hard and all that. And you had the shooter spread they out. They thought he was in the way. They thought he yeah. was. In, I'm like, you need somebody to catch the rebound. You guys, are, if you're going to shoot 33 as a game, somebody's got a rebound. Yeah. So it was like that same thing where the Lakers were smart enough to abuse that, you know, versus like some of these other teams are just going to keep shooting the three, regardless of who's in what position. Who's, and, who's down there, who can defend the rim. Yeah. So, so I would you know, say let them fire it up. Yeah, I, I agree. And so, so I mean, right now, you know, um, I have no idea who's going to win the West. You know, like if you if, if you put the gun to my head right now, it was like, you know, predict the West winner. I might pick Denver just because of altitude. <laughs> outside Dem- of that, outside I of that. I think if you put money on Denver or Memphis, I'd. I don't think anybody could look at you crazy and provide you like a qualitative argument of why another team is going to win. Like, like a demonstrative argument, like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. The Warriors. Okay. What, how is the Warriors play on the road? Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. Like the Warriors like, would probably be every, my number two, just going off of experience, but nothing, but like nothing like, that's they played on the court. so bad on the right, road. Right. Like it's like, they just lost to Denver at Denver. With no Jokic. They have Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit. I think it's only three teams with a worse road record than Golden State. But the Warriors record is still like within the same ilk of those teams. <laughs> so it's just like it's it's just you know, like it's a, it's just a strange it's a strange dichotomy. Like I just the saw West San is very Diego strange State this hit year. a shot that wasn't a free throw. <laughs> Yeah, right now they're looking. They're just not hitting shots. Like they're they're rebounding. Okay. They're getting offensive rebounds. They're playing good defense. UConn's just hitting shots, and they're not. Doc Rivers, right? It's a yeah. make or miss league. That's what's happening right now. You I know, think so if they just ran it, they just ran a little little high screen action and got the ball to like their guard and the lane, and then UConn just came right back and yeah, saved it. I'm loving. And I'm so loving Jordan Hawkins right now. Like maybe it's because he's wearing a UConn uniform, but I'm seeing s- s- such Ray Allen out of him. He, uh, you know, he's he's not explosive like Ray Allen was in college with the dunks and all that, but just the shooting, he reminds me a lot of Ray Allen. But but yeah, like like I said, it's just going to be matchup dependent. I know a lot of people probably want the Lakers because I know a few years ago, the Milwaukee uh, Phoenix Finals 
there were a lot of people upset because the Lakers weren't in the playoffs at all. You know, you had Laker fans screaming, y'all need us and all this kind of stuff. And I like, I watch basketball just fine without y'all. I watch yeah. basketball just fine without the Knicks, you know, you whatever. Had 80, you had 82 chances to get as many wins as possible. No one took any games from you. You didn't have to forfeit any Oof. games. You didn't lose any anything for improper funds. You had 82 opportunities to win games. You didn't win enough. It is what it is. Yeah, it it's is like, what it is. You don't belong in a place where you have to earn that right. You got to earn it. It's nothing wrong with earning something. I don't know why people got away from that. You got to earn it. If you didn't earn it, you didn't earn it. Right, and that's all it is. So, so the Lakers are just UConn is getting busy though. Yeah, yeah, San Diego. So yeah, people will be happy. Now. They just hit a three. San Diego State came back down and hit a three. So thirty-three to twenty right now. Uh, we're under you four are, minutes. You are like four seconds ahead of me. Okay, so so, so we're we're coming up on the uh, under four minute timeout. You know, um, it's just under three minutes because the whistle hasn't blown yet. And here's Cal Cantera for three. Bang. You know, off of the San Diego State missed layup. So 36 to 20 with about three. Hold on. He blew this layup? Oh, no. That's so funny because, like I said, you're like a few seconds ahead of me. Got some technical difficulties. I think we're back. You we're know, back. But, uh, you know, um, I was sitting around this weekend, you know, and listening to the great Jim Kelly. You know, one of my favorite quarterbacks in NFL history. But he said something that I found to be very appalling. You know, he was talking about Josh Allen can't do it by himself. And before you get started, Raph, all I want to say is Josh Allen doesn't have to do it by himself. He chooses to do it by himself. We all make choices in this life. Well, go ahead. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. I think, I, I mean, we, we love... We love football. I mean, me and you probably could talk football for hours. America loves talking about football. We follow the draft, we go to the combine. We know what we we hear Dion tell that story, how he showed up to the combine in the suit, changed it, ran the 40, and walked out the door. He's like, I know I ran a 4-1. We all love football. We love it to death. But what it comes down to is that the Bills got to where they got to based off how they performed, how they called plays, and what they did. The expectation that people put on them didn't make any sense. Uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase what Nick Wright was saying a lot of times throughout last season. He's obviously, you know, a Chiefs fan, first things first host. But he was like, I don't understand how a team loses to a team two years in a row in the playoffs that team that they lose to goes to AFC Championship or goes to the Super Bowl. They keep most of their players, including the better star quarterback, but yet the team that lost two years in a row in the playoffs comes out as the favorite to get to the Super Bowl. He's like, it doesn't make any sense. He's like, it didn't happen with Dallas and San Francisco until one of the teams beat the other one. So it was like, you can't just be like, oh, that Buffalo's next. And I think people leverage his expectations on them. But when you break when you break it down, offensively, they just rely too much on what he can do and not what the team needs to get done. 
like in the Miami playoff game, I watched at least three different times on third and two or third and three. They take a 30-yard bomb down the field. I'm like, you could have just handed the ball off. You're playing a team that's on like their third or fourth quarterback. Just maintain the ball. You're at home. But they keep calling these plays, and they were throwing these bombs, and the receivers were making good catches. One catch didn't happen. Like, he caught it, and they challenged it. He actually dropped it. But they didn't need to throw it. It was like third and two. Like, I get that you want to showcase the arm and showcase the talent, but you can do that in 35 throws. You don't need 45 and 50 throws to showcase the arm. We know the arm is talented. You can just manage the game better. Connect with basic concepts of your scheme. If your scheme is just throw the ball over the place, then you're probably going to lose a lot of games because he's going to scramble. He's going to run 6'5", 6'2", 35 is what people have listed at, 6'5", 240. If he's lined up, you know, squared up with a safety who's 6'1", 210, he's like, well, I'm going to take this guy on. Well, it doesn't matter the size of the safety. It's the fact that you're putting your shoulder, your elbows, your arms all at risk for no reason when you could just run out of bounds. You already got the first down. That's the I think that's what he was kind of referring to. Was like you can't do him by himself because it's not like his team is lacking talent. It's just the basic concept of your cold weather team that wants to throw the ball all the time in December and January. Where on earth do they do that? That's not in the dome. Yep, and you know I was looking at this because I don't know what to do with this. Like I, I when when I heard it, I was just so thrown back and turned off by the statement. You know, like now, granted, Jim Kelly is speaking from a little different place because you know he had Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed and James Lofton and Don BB. He had the crew. He had Bruce Smith on defense. So you know, like Girl I get, tally. Yeah. yeah. So I get it. You know what I mean? But looking at it, keeping that in thoughts, right? So Josh Allen came in the league in 2018. So his rookie year, you know, which he stunk, their defense was the 18th ranked defense. 2019, they jumped up to third. COVID year, they fell back down to 16th. And then the last two years, they went number one and number two. So if I provide you with the number one and two ranked defense in back-to-back years, I'm not saying you got to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying you can't complain if you don't. Because when I look at Cincinnati, for example, the Bengals, last year they made the Super Bowl with the 17th ranked defense. You know, now granted they got T. Higgins, so they have the second receiver. But last time I checked, Gabe Davis had what was it? Three touchdowns against Kansas City in the playoffs. Four touchdowns in that game. I think it was. I think you it was know? four. Yeah, they went the overtime. Wide open up the seam. They went the overtime. And granted, right, the defense gave up the sixty-five yards in thirteen seconds or whatever it was for Kansas City to get in position to make the field goal. But you know what? That's just Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like, nah. there's only one of them. That's his bad defense. That's that's hey, there's only one Patrick Mahomes. Like, I hate when people do that because, like, for example, you know, people used to always tell me, like, I would say, this quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And they would say, Well, Tom Brady, well, yeah, if the measuring stick is the greatest quarterback of all time, everybody's gonna fail. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? But but you know, you don't gotta be better than Patrick Mahomes. You just you just have to hold your own, which Joe Burrow has done. You know, um Kansas City won the Super Bowl this year with the 16th ranked defense. That was after trading Tyreek Hill. So he doesn't have a marquee receiver. You know, it's not as if, shout out, you know, to your guy, Pacheco, but it's not as if Patrick Mahomes got Emmett Smith back there. Millville. You know what I'm saying? He, it ain't like he got Walter Payton back there. You know what I mean? But the, the coaches scheme what they have. And I like Sean McDermott. I think he's a pretty good coach who I hope doesn't get fired because his quarterback keeps letting him down. You, I you think know? that I don't think it's the quarterback play. I think it's the expectation that they're levying on them. Just because, like I said, we talk about this all the time. People want to pick the new hot thing because picking chalk is born. Like I said, we did with the NCAA tournament. If you looked at my bracket, I probably had maybe one or two upsets, but for the most part, I had sevens beating tens. I had I had five be- beating twelves. I had ones beating eight. I mean, like my my bracket was chalk because that's mm-hmm. literally what you want to go with. And real but quick, we are at halftime, thirty six to twenty four, UConn. So if we, if you look at it and you want to make, you want to write an article, you want to, you need some, I won't say it's clickbait, but if you want to think, you know what? I think that Buffalo, because if you think about it the year before, like you said, they were the first and second rate defense the past couple of years. So if you believe in Josh Allen, you believe in his rookie year climb to his climb after you got Stefan Diggs to his MVP candidacy climb, you would think, oh, he's going to take that next step. And I get all that. But nothing detrimental happened to the Kansas City Chiefs. So for them to put Buffalo as the favorites simply because Tyreek Hill was gone, when we had, granted it was a four-game sample size, but Patrick Mahomes averaged 340 yards and like 10 touchdowns in those four games without Tyreek Hill. So it's not like he doesn't know how to throw to another guy's. And they had McCall Hartman, who was fast enough to take the top off. He didn't really do much, but he had the speed to do it. So if they wanted to call those same deep crossing routes to get space for Kelsey underneath, they could have done it. They still oh, had Oh, yeah, Andy Patrick Andy Mahomes Andy. in trouble now because McCall Hartman's gone. Oh, my God. Like, all the stuff in our group. Oh, Patrick Mahomes going to get exposed this year. Like, okay, so this guy played at that point, beginning of last season. He had played for four years. He had... An MVP season, he had gone to two Super Bowls, four consecutive AFC championships. A Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl MVP. And he had the year last year, not this past season, but, you know, after his fourth, he he got beat out for the MVP by Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers had like 40-something touchdowns and single-digit picks. Mahomes had like. 39 touchdowns and still 5,000 yards. It, was, it wasn't like he had a bad year. It's just he had a down year compared to his 50-touchdown MVP year. Yeah, so people he, comparing he him to his Illmatic. MVP year. Everybody yeah, wanted so, Illmatic again. Yeah, so it was <laughs> like he didn't he didn't fall off. He didn't end the season injured. They ended the season in the AFC Championship game. A couple of different play calls. If they get the sack on Burrow and he doesn't scramble, they're back in the Super Bowl again for three times in four years. But He's gonna get exposed. It's like it's just these 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 constructs. I don't don't make sense to me. You can't. I can't. I don't understand it when people say it. So like, if you explain to me like I'm five, 
then people can't give you a good answer because you have, I'm gonna ask a follow. You know, if you talk to a kid, a kid will ask you a follow up question. Why? Really? Why is that? Huh? Why is that? So if you ask some of these people who say, "Oh yeah, Buffalo's next," if you ask them a couple follow up questions, you would get to the point where like they're no different than San Diego. You just want the young quarterback with the arm and the talent and just the explosion. Because some, for some reason, people love the way quarterbacks throw the ball versus like collectively how the whole game looks. The ball just fires off his arm, out of his hand. I'm like, cool. Who's he throwing it to? Yeah, no, <laughs> but I people love- just people. I think the love people have for quarterbacks kind of extrapolated to this expectation that Buffalo was going to win a Super Bowl, which didn't make any sense to me. I love how after all this time, you know, people still call them San Diego. <laughs> did I say San Diego? You did. I said it a couple of times, didn't I? Yeah. I, I, but, but, I, but, I just move back. Just move but, back. But it's, it's just, pointless it's just for y'all to be in Los Angeles. It's frustrating to me because, like, for example, I'm not necessarily the biggest Lamar Jackson fan. You know, like, I want the dude to get his money, but I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson fan. You know, but I hear this talk, you know, because it's all narrative, you know, can you win with Lamar Jackson? You know, and then yes. in the other vein, I hear Justin Herbert needs help. Josh Allen needs help, you know, and, and I'm sitting there like, OK, name one of them Baltimore receivers. You know what I mean? Like now, granted, they went and got the great Nelson Aguilar, you know, last week or whatever. But, you know, like. Baltimore was running the ball down people's throats and the threat of Lamar got their tight end open sometimes, you know, from time to time. But it's not as if Lamar Jackson was out here working with, say, Stefan Diggs. You know, it's not like Lamar Jackson was out here working with, like, say, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams or, or something or like DJ that. Moore or something or like DJ that. Moore or something. So, so like, like, I've learned a long time ago that – we prop up the quarterbacks we like while tearing down the quarterbacks that we don't like. So, for example, and you should know this very well because you've heard me yes. say it year after year after year, and I'm going to keep saying it. You know, Matt Ryan was my favorite quarterback. It went all the way to when he was in Boston College. I saw him on a Thursday night against Virginia Tech, and it is not because Raph used to support Virginia Tech. It was just that he made some great plays, and that, that's where the name Matty Ice came from because in the clutch he came through. And then he went to the NFL, and and just to show you that it's not a biased thing, you know, Tony Romo ended up like this, where, you know, he would have these great games, his defense would give up 30 points, and, you know, he might throw a pick late, and everybody would say he choked. Like, I think it was 2013, the year that Seattle beat Denver in the Super Bowl, you know, Peyton Manning was breaking all the records. He came back from the neck surgery, and he was just lighting everybody up. And uh, Dallas lost an early season game to Denver, 52 to 48. Romo threw a pick either right before or right after the two-minute warning. And everybody said, see, he can't win the big game. And I said, you gave up 52 points, you big dummy. You know, yeah, like the, you know, a, it, a high-scoring uh, offense is like 26 to 27 points a game. So you give up two games with the points yeah, in one game. But you're going to blame the quarterback. You know, whereas if Josh Allen was in that game, we would have said he needed help. You know, it, it, it just amazes me how these narratives change because Josh Allen has talent. There's no doubt about that. But I still don't know if he's a great quarterback. You know, I don't when I when I look at my quarterback hierarchy, 
You know what I mean? Obviously, it starts with Mahomes. You know, you got Burrow up there. I don't think Josh Allen's better than Burrow. You know, I don't think, like, I'm not saying that if Burrow is number two, Josh Allen is number seven or something like that. But I think there's, but I think there's a break it down. Yeah, but I think there's a gap there. Break down like how he goes. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a gap. You know, and and Herbert might even be better than Josh Allen. You could be a smart kid, but the valedictorian's GPA is four point seven because they're taking college classes, and the salutedictorian is four point six five because they're taking the same college classes. These other guys are three point nine kids, still A students. You're still you're still high honor roll students. You're just you're not in this realm, and I think it's levels to this. Want, people want in the in the, the the matchups between the Buffalo offense and Josh Allen versus the Kansas City defense. The people saying he outdueled Mahomes. I'm like, well, who won the game by throwing two passes with 13 seconds left and getting the timeout, bucked or kicking the field goal, and then the touchdown to Kelsey. If, and then even even then, just just past you know a couple months ago at the Super Bowl, if I it's told like you, some guys just make those plays, if Josh Allen just hasn't made those plays yet. If I told you that Joe Burrow's defense gave up seventeen point nine points a game, you would tell me the Bengals are Super Bowl bound. You know, if oh, I yeah. told if I told you the Chiefs gave up, they are fifteen and two if the, they're only giving up eighteen yeah, points. Yeah, the Chiefs are eighteen and zero. You know, going into the Super Bowl, probably if, it, yeah. if they only gave up seventeen point nine points. Absolutely. A game. Yeah. If, if Justin Herbert, as much stuff as I give him, if Justin Herbert had a defense that was giving up seventeen point nine points per game, they might go to the AFC Championship game. You know, like even though I, I don't want to do the overreact thing, I don't want to do the overreact thing. But going off of like Jacksonville this year, if I gave Trevor Lawrence a defense that gave up seventeen point nine. You know, they would have gave Kansas City a better game. Than yeah, they, they ended up they would have been in the Super Bowl. Any team, any and any quality, if you have a quality young quarterback or quality offensive scheme, and your defense comes along, like and your defense is better than your offense, and you're only giving if you're giving up less than 18 points a game, and you have a prolific offense or young arm talent. Atlanta probably still could lose a game 17-14 and the defense can only give up because they don't have the the playmakers on the outside that other teams do. Kirk Cousins is in the NFC championship game with that defense. If yeah, I, I think so. I, I like Kirk Cousins. I just yeah, I, I love I, Kirk Cousins. I, I, I just feel bad for him that it's his expectation that he's supposed to win all the time, and then when he loses, he loses ugly. Well, it's, so it's like it's, he plays well, but when he the games he loses, they just they just look ugly. And it's well, like, it goes back to it goes it just, back to like quarterbacks that the media likes or dislikes. Like people, people still don't treat, like him at all. They, they they treat him. They're still treating him as if he's Washington Kirk Cousins. Like if he like as if he hasn't been at the top of the league in certain categories since he's left Washington. Like they had that stink of Washington in their mouths, and they just haven't moved on. So. Like whenever they go somewhere, you know, they just don't have that expectation. Cause because when we when we started sports reports is ordered, we started right when the playoffs were starting. And I told you when we were previewing our very first games, I was like, yo, the Giants might win this game because Minnesota has the slowest corners in the league. Even though the Dude. Giants, 
you know, even though the Giants had, even though the Giants didn't necessarily have great receivers, they were fast. You, you know, could run so, away four or six corners. Yeah, and, and so so that's where like when I'm looking at Josh Allen, I'm like, what is the help? Is the help Derrick Henry? You know, is the help he has to go get Dalvin Cook because Minnesota doesn't want to pay him? The you help know, like, should be Derrick Henry. Like it should be. It should be because. But does it have to be? I say yes because it I, could have been Austin Eckler. But that's the thing. Austin Eckler likes to catch a lot of passes, so I think they will call a lot more passes. If you had Derrick Henry, you're calling 20 run plays for can him. It, can it be Zeke? No, because Zeke can't carry the ball 20 times. Well, he, does, he doesn't need to, though. I mean, you got other running backs that, on but the that's roster. The thing. But that's the thing. Because they don't run the ball, it's like you need someone that you can literally look your office of your whole team, your whole coaching staff can look and say, all right, we see why you didn't give Singletary the ball here at third and one in the goal line. Uh, we can see why you called a quarterback keep in this situation with Cook in the backfield. We can see why Naeem Hines only returns kickoffs. We can understand that. But if I give you six foot four, 230-pound Derrick Henry, and on third and two, you're calling a quarterback keep. It's like, you just don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so you, like, and Derrick Henry's going to be like, yo, look at me. I'm bigger than him. It's not many people in the league that are bigger than Josh Allen. And I'm standing right here. Put me, Give me the ball at the top of the dot. Give me a fullback. And let's run this thing up the gut. And your coach looking up at Derrick Henry like, yeah, you're right. See, like Singletary is 5'6". Is he can't just go in there and have that same kind of argument. Derrick Henry take that helmet off and that dread and that solid breed. And he leaned down and he's like, yo, give me the ball. All right, man, you got him. Well, you see, this is where they say numbers don't this lie. This commercial is ridiculous. I know. <laughs> they, they, they say numbers don't lie. You know what I mean? But numbers do provide a false sense of security when it comes to certain things. Like, for example, you know, he looked demonstrably better under Brian Dayball as the offensive coordinator. Now, when you look at his numbers from last year to this season, they don't look very different, you know. But the play, like the, the eyes when you were watching the game, it didn't look the same. And here we are with Ken Dorsey is allegedly the next big thing it's about to be a head coach. That's you what know? I'm telling you. Yeah. Hype, and it, it, so, so, so like, it's, it's a thing where like, if you, if you like numbers are used to, pro to provide context and to tell a story, but they can't be the only thing that contributes to that story. Because like, you know, for example, the playoff game against Miami, you know, Mike McDaniel, you know, my black head coach, he came in there with a good game plan, you know, but Josh Allen aided that game plan because people said, well, look at what Miami's doing to that top ranked defense, you know, that second ranked defense uh, with the bat with a third string quarterback. And it's like, well, yeah, Josh Allen also threw two picks in that game and they were awful picks. It wasn't like the defender were necessarily making great plays. It was what you were talking about. It's like third and one. And he threw a 41 yard pass. You know, it's like, dude, For no reason. Just quarterback sneak that. You know what I'm saying? Like, give it to James Cook, you know, or whatever the case. So they went out and got Damian Harris from the Patriots.
So hopefully he can be that power runner, I guess. But I mean, even he was a backup. But but maybe he could be that power runner between the lines that they've been missing all this time. But that's the thing. I, I think you need a guy. You need a guy that demands that you give him the ball. Not a guy that just wants the ball. Because every running back gonna, is going to want the ball. Mm-hmm. But if you are, imagine if Kansas City for two games just didn't throw Travis Kelsey the ball. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's the kind of player that demands the ball. Or if you have like a guy like Michael Parsons coming out the edge and for two games, you just have him drop in the zone or play the run and your defensive coordinator, people can look like, yo, why don't you have this guy using his greatest asset to himself and the team how come you're not calling those kind of plays? You get a guy like Derrick Henry, you could probably get him for probably a second and a fourth. I think Tennessee had come off of him because I'm pretty sure they're ready to come off of Tannehill. They're yeah. probably ready to come off of Rabel. They might give him one more year. I know they don't give a damn about Malik Willis. So it's like you might be able to call him because they gave up A.J. Brown for a first-round pick. And they were mm-hmm. telling AJ that, hey, we're going to resign you. We're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. And then his agent was like, what you want me to do? He was like, man, do your job. See what you can do. And then they end up trading him. So I think if you put the call out there, you put the the, the feeler out there, make that move because you're not going to get another player like Darren Kareem. I'm not sure what his price tag is, but you make it work. Honestly, I, I mean, you know, now that, you know, we had our talk about the running back being devalued, you know, B. John Robinson might be sitting there waiting for them, you know, since we don't do the running back in the first round anymore, you know? So like that could be a thing where you still keep them under the rookie contract versus whatever Derek Henry is making, you know, because every by all intents and purposes, you know, B. John Robinson is going to be the next running back star. So, you know, like, take a chance there you know what i mean like yeah. but 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 you know but that's the thing right like i don't know if the running backs that buffalo have can't do the job cuz Devin Singletary is talented you know James Cook is at least fast but we don't know because they don't do enough for us to have the answers to those questions that's so they may saying. not even need Derrick Henry you know you just need to trust what you have but that's the thing. I don't think they trust what they have. So you have to like kind of force it. You got to force it. You got to go. It's like you got to pack your bag for the gym and put it in front of your bedroom doors. So when you get up to pee in the middle of the night, you trip over it. Like <laughs> you got to like really force yourself. Cause you can say, I'm going to the gym, but all your gym clothes are folded up in the drawer. Yeah. It's like I know they're in there. I can go. But if you pack that bag at night and you put it in your mind before you go to sleep. So when you get up in the morning, we're going to make this happen. You go out and get Derrick Henry. That means Ken Dorsey, we need to commit to the run. Josh Allen ran the ball 122 times last year. Not, not to mention the quarterback hits. You know, stinger your elbow when you play somewhere that cold. You need to throw the ball around. The wind is whipping around from the lake. I need my quarterback upright. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do quarterback sneaks anymore because he dislocated his knee in that game on like a Monday or Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Fourth and one. You ain't got to worry about that. We're giving it to somebody else. That's why they bring the tight end in to do the quarterback sneak. Well, I think that's, that... how, that's how you make those kind of changes. You have to look at your players like, yo, we keep getting our guys' fingers, hands, elbows, 
arms, shoulders hurt, stop running him so much. Well, I think that's the problem because that game against Cincinnati, the playoff game, that was such an indictment on them. You know, like, granted, I'm not saying that Cincinnati doesn't get a little frosty, you know, but they had the snow, they had the wind, you know, that was a Buffalo game, you know, like if there was ever a Buffalo game, just going they on the other side of the lake. Yeah. And, and, and you know what I mean? Like, Ohio, like and Cincinnati just came in there and said, yo, straight up and down. We want this more than you. Like, it's that simple. Like y'all, you know, and, and Buffalo didn't have a plan. You know, you get punched in the mouth, you know, like they, they didn't have a plan. You know, th- their plan was Josh rescue us. So I get the sentiment that he needs help, but I don't agree that they don't have the talent to say oh, that he I needs help. Yeah, that's the thing. I I I don't think I don't think that he was implying they don't have the talent. I think what he meant was like he can't do it all. I think he was implying to the fact that they don't broaden it up enough to where you don't need Josh Allen to make 40 throws a game. And you're talking about them drafting B. John Robinson. I saw something earlier that said Dallas might get him. Dallas is 26, Buffalo's 27. <laughs> so if you want B. John Robinson, you can't get him. Man, just throw that. Send the first round pick to Kansas City and just. Get, and I mean, he's not the only Derek running Henry. back. Yeah, there's other running backs I like in this draft. You know, but you know, but he's the one. He he's the like. Not making a direct comparison, but he's the Adrian Peterson of this draft. You know, when it comes to like, if there's a bona fide running back star in this draft, it's him. You know, um, we'll see. We'll see what that ceiling is. But Buffalo somehow wasn't prepared for the snow. And apparently these NBA teams aren't prepared because we had a conversation, you know, why play play out when you could play in. You know, and you know, I'm not the play-in guy. I don't like the play-in. I don't like the concept of the play-in. I don't like the idea of the play-in because it allows you to BS through half the season and try to come on late. And, and you know, now the new CBA, you know, just got signed and players have to play at least 65 games to win the MVP and other awards around the NBA. But for this season, why weren't these teams prepared? It's like I said, we 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 we've gone over the West standings. The East, you know, they've pretty much been kind of coasting. I mean, Atlanta's been basically even all year long. Like it's the strangest statistical line I've ever the seen. The Midlanta Hawks. The Midlanta Hawks. Uh it just we've had this conversation before. It just feels as if GMs, coaches player personnel, people, I'm not sure if they know exactly what they want in a team or how to build a team. I don't know what philosophy they're going with. I I felt the same way about Rob Palink and the Lakers from the beginning of the year. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish? Do you have any three-point shooting in the league that shoots a lot of threes? No. Do you have any depth? No. Did you keep your free agents that you had on the team when you won the championship in 2020? No. Did you trade away some young pieces like Kuzma and KCP to get rest? Yes. Why? None of this is making any sense. 
Dallas. Why'd you trade? Why'd you make the trade you made to get Kyrie when Kyrie wasn't what you needed? And then you traded away what everybody needs, which is good wing defenders, good role players. Every team needs, you know, you need a star, you need a second person who can get their own bucket. Just made the if, conference finals. Just made the conference finals. You need a, a role player in the starting lineup, and you need a guy to come off the bench that can fill that same void so they're interchangeable. You need a guy that can defend off the wing, and you need a guy that can rebound. Like, if you don't have that, then you need to make moves to get that. You don't say, you know what? We need another guy that can score and handle the ball the same way our current player does. It's like his usage rates was through the roof. It's like, okay, well, let's get Kyrie and do the exact same thing. So, I mean, I think about stuff like that. I think about Portland trading away Josh Hart for what, when you had other players getting injured, like what you gain, even some of the trades that the Lakers were able to pull off. I was like, why? Like, I, I just, I'm just trying to understand like the why, like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Because it's not like these teams traded away and it started tanking. I said, what are you doing? You know, why aren't you ready for the season? Like, how are you just, your team is just falling apart schematically yeah. every single week. Right. Getting worse and worse. Why is there only two teams that are even like hovering around 50 wins? Right. It should be a lot of teams with a lot of wins and some of these mediocre teams. Like San Diego should have, I mean, that's it. San Antonio, my bad, should have, they should have 12 wins. That team's terrible, but they're trying to tank. They shouldn't have 20 wins. Detroit, right. another team, they, they shouldn't be close, but you have teams that aren't ready. That give up a loss and Orlando should be, they should have like 16 wins. Right. And they're up there with 34 wins. Yeah. So. See, and you know, um, the second half is underway in Houston, 38 to 26. UConn, San Diego State shot eight for 28 in the first half. <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, but yeah, like, so I was, you know, I've asked this question two or three times on this podcast. What the hell is Portland doing? You know, so they shut Dame down about a week ago. And, you know, and like, you know, for that trade, you know, that you brought up, they went and got Mathis Thibel. So, you know, like it wasn't as if they went out and got somebody that was like going to alleviate Dame's offensive load. You know, like Mathis Thibel is a pretty good defender, but Josh Hart was a pretty good defender a better scorer than Thibault and, you know, a better, definitely a better rebounder. So you traded apples for eggs. Yeah. I, I just don't understand, you know, Denver, you know, granted they're the one seed, you know, so I don't know if people feel that momentum is more important than rest, you know, going into the playoffs. I know that's always a topic of discussion in the NFL. Like, should you rest your starters in the last week? you know, or should you just let them play with some momentum? But Jokic just sat out two games in the last week after we just got on Joel Embiid for sitting out in the matchup against Jokic. So, you know, like, if you were going to do that, you were supposed to load manage on the front side, you know, like you were supposed to load manage in January, not in April, but the, or, or yeah. in March. And, and then, so then, 
when I look at Dallas, I'm like, okay, what is the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to win a championship. Now, I don't think Dallas can win a championship. But they ain't supposed to think that they can't win a championship. You they know, shouldn't be battling for the play-in 10 months after one game the out. Western Conference tournament. They're they shouldn't game. be battling for the play-in. I know you. I know no, you're. No, no, I, I know. I know. To get in. But, but like, I'm just saying. That, but but, but like the some... overall point. <laughs> the overall point is that they're one game out, and then there's reports out today that they're thinking about shutting down Kyrie and Luca. You know, and only thing that I could come up with is not making the playoffs puts them in the lottery. But this isn't even that type of draft. You know, this is like a three or four person draft. So it's not like this is a deep draft where if they end up like if the lottery balls play out to where they end up at number eight, they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna do a sign and trade. That's what I think. I think they might be prepared for something off season wise. Like Luca might be moving. So you like let's shut him down. Yeah, see, I brought that up the other day. Yeah, I think and I he, think he's gonna be to kick rocks. No, I just I don't think he would ask, I don't think he should ask for a trade. Yeah, they but they may move him. I think they I think they could move them one or both of them. So you shut them down now. If that's the They're case, both I healthy. move both. Yeah. And yeah, because do you don't want Kyrie there without Luca, like just pouting and you know, doing the sage and whatnot, you know, like Luca's probably gonna leave anyway. Like if and y'all don't first of all, Kyrie doesn't pout. Like Kyrie's not a bad I don't I don't know where this this came from. Okay, okay, let like me let me rephrase. Kyrie. Let me rephrase. He just let was me re- like Kyrie has fuck you money. Excuse let, my language. Let, let me rephrase. I think a lot of players act like they don't have that kind of money. And I think he just uses it. He's like, yo, you're not going to come to this game and talk to me all kind of way because you paid for these tickets. Granted, maybe his ears are a little too big and he hears a little too much. But, I mean, he's from Jersey. Jersey people are uh, northeast. You're from Maryland, you know. Like, they, they it's only Reese. so much to let you fly. And once they start getting to the, once people from Jersey get to the point where it's like, listen, I'm not letting you slide. Once they get to that point mentally, they will be on you every single well, well, time. Well, let me rephrase. Kyrie, Kyrie might, week. Kyrie yeah. might go AWOL for a week and nobody know where he is. But, you know, but the point being is that yeah, Kyrie, on Twitter. <laughs> Kyrie by himself isn't necessarily the best thing, you know, because he's getting older, you know, like he's not old. But he's getting to that stage in his career where it's about titles now. You know, Luca, you know, may want out first opportunity. Is it really about get... titles, though? For, I yes. Mean, like, let's be realistic. Well, well How okay. many of these guys are so, really, really, really positioned? I, I saw something Spencer did what he said the other day. Uh-huh. And I've seen this clip. And I forgot. I, I don't want to give credit, but I forgot what podcast he was on. But what he said, he was like, if you look at certain players like if you look at kobe ai steph lebron jordan he's like the people who change the culture of basketball he's like those guys need the ring because their their status in the argument is supported by the rings he was like bron gets one more ring he might be the different goat conversation because he has five rings but she's like, you have a guy like Dame Lillard. You have a guy like Anthony Hardaway, a guy like T-Mac. He's like, even Shaq. He's like, if Shaq wasn't on TV, he's like, I don't think people talk about Shaq as much. Because a lot of it is like, some of these guys have kind of like just refined themselves to the fact that I had a good career. I put up some good numbers up on some good teams. And then these other guys need rings. Everybody isn't, everyone, because I think having that championship or bust, you do 
you're you're you you make dangerously bad moves, like so, so, trading away your defense to get an offensive player, a la what the Knicks did to get Carmel Anthony. You just make bad moves when you so have that championship for a bus. So just for clarification, Jokic and Embiid don't need rings. In, in my estimation, no. Okay. Because because I think the ring I think the ring count I think the ring count is gonna stop with. So Steph I think, has I four. think Jokic might need one just because of the back to back MVPs, or at least just get to the finals. At least just get to the finals. Yeah, but I don't think people regard him like we say it now in the present. He plays three more years and retires in 2032. If we're having a conversation about basketball greats, no one's going to be like Jokic and then have to be argued off the ledge by people bringing up the fact he doesn't have X number of rings. Well, you know, he's, so, the, he's the analytical assassin. So, you know what I mean? Like, you know. It is what it is, but, 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 you know, but yeah, like, so back to Dallas for a second. So, so, you know, um, it's not Kyrie's fault. And I think that Luca will probably potentially, he will want out the first chance he gets just because we're at a place where he made the Western conference finals. Look at them now. Where do you go? Like he needs, he wants, or maybe needs, the help that Josh Allen needs, you know? So like, because, <laughs> because, you know, I think Luca is potentially going to be a part of those conversations. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be considered the goat, but you know, but he may be considered one of the three players of his generation, you know, like that conversation, you know, it, so, so, so maybe a ring will validate. Who would that be? You talking about the Trey Youngs, Jason Tatum? No, I ain't talking about no Trey Young. You know, I ain't no, like they, I, I mean, they're the same Rayford. draft class. They still, I mean, they were the same draft class. No, but so. definitely Jason Tatum. You know, Jason Tatum. You know, um, Giannis already Giannis. has a ring. Well, Giannis is before them, though. So, you know, he's not yeah, in that but same. Like, so, where are you going to put him in? Because know? if you think about it, we're, we are projecting guys like LeBron and Steph and KD potentially getting to the finals. Is like, if these guys keep getting to the finals in the Western Conference, it's like how many chances is Luca really going to get? Because well, well figure- at some point you got to overcome. Like Isaiah Thomas had to overcome Boston, you know. Jordan had to overcome the Pistons, you know. Like this is NBA history. This is just what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so but like they for did exa- that in their prime, right? Think, right? Right? Is Luca going? Is Luca when? When is Luca's prime? Like when? When does it start? And that's what like that's the preparedness mm-hmm. part of Dallas is like, yo, how much longer do we have this 30, 10, and 8 version of Luca? Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't, he's not like ultra athletic. He's not like a he's a big body. He's a big yeah, I he's mean, like, he's a he's one of those dudes when he retires, he's gonna be like, remember when Tony Kukoc played? And he was mm-hmm. like super skinny and tall and long. If you see him now, he just looks like just a big man. I think right. Luke is going to be one of those kind of guys. Right. Like Barkley. You know how Barkley just looks like a big dude who just happened to stay a little smaller because he played basketball? I think Lucas is probably just naturally a big dude. Yoke is the same way. They're going to go retire, live in some farm back in Eastern Europe or something like that. I think that prime isn't going to be 
elongated like LeBron's prime uh-huh. or even Kawhi's time or even Paul George and some of these other guys. Well, yeah, LeBron is definitely an anomaly, you know, yeah, as, far as, how, as, as far as how long that lasts. Or even Steph, know? like Steph. You know, and but but I think that, you know, at this stage, it was right there. You know, you were in the Western Conference Finals. You know, you went up against the big bad dynasty or whatever, you know, and got humbled. You know, so theoretically, in a perfect scenario of how NBA history normally works, like Golden State would have been the team in Luka's way, and he would have closed the book on them if he was that guy or whatever. You know, but now I don't. Obviously, that ain't going to happen because because they don't keep the teams together because they, yeah, they don't. Prepare, keep the they're not prepared and, well, well, that's to what I was lose gonna, and improve. Well, that's what I was going to say. If Denver doesn't make it to the Western Conference Finals this year, they're gonna blow that team up. They're gonna blow it up. Jamal Murray's out of there, you know. Aaron Gordon's probably out of there, or Michael Porter. Aaron Gordon's gonna be in Detroit somewhere. Yeah, you know, collecting dust. You know what I mean? Like Michael Porter's gonna end up in Boston after they fail again because Jalen Brown's out of there or whatever, you know. So, you know, so 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 that's the problem. So so like, but now we're at a point where, like, why doesn't a team like Philly? who's pretty much locked into their seed, you know, for all intents and purposes. Cleveland's not going to catch them. I don't know if they can catch Boston. Why not just sit and beat until the playoffs start then, you know, if that's the case? You know? Um, you don't want to. You don't want him rusty. No, I, I agree. Want, I but... think you want to stay in rhythm. I think maybe you cut his minutes to 28 minutes. You yeah. pay him seven minutes a quarter. Yeah. and Put and, him and on, I... a, on a pitch count. You know, yeah. just keep him, get him out there sweaty enough so he stays loose. But, but like Portland you know, really thought, you're... Portland really thought, like, yo, you know what the game's been missing? Jeremy Grant. You know what I mean? And then they, but that's will, the thing. he's a good if you player. Keep it together. If you, if you, if you make the move, commit to it and try to build around it. Right. But if you're of... going to trade Josh Hart, get something better than uh, Thibault. You know what I mean? Like, get something better. That get a good shooter, even if he's not a scorer. Get a get a Kyle Korver type dude. That's gonna that's, that's yeah. gonna open up the. You know what I mean? Like, get somebody like that. If they if these teams just simply kept the players that they had, Bill Belichick styles. Like, don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do. Okay, he's a defensive player. Cool. Then we don't have to run any sets for him. If you look at Golden State. They kept their core. They paid them all. Then they paid the guy that was on the come up. They paid Jordan Poole. They paid Wiggins. Clay got paid. Steph got paid. When they won to KD, they paid KD. Draymond got paid. And That's oh, by one, the two, way, they three, got Kaminga in the chamber. Yeah. So they got they, those are seven guys that they paid. So yeah, Poole, Steph, KD when they when they needed them. Draymond, Clay. Uh, Clay, you know, they paid Wiggins. They paid all these guys. I think they paid Looney, too. I think Looney probably got a nice little check, but they kept him. They didn't say, hey, we need a a five that can stretch the floor. No, we don't. We got a two and a three or one and a two, however you want to classify Steph and Clay. They can stretch the floor. Jordan Poole, whatever you classify him as, shooting guard, two guard, combo guard, don't put them all three on the floor at the same time. Line up a death. Draymond. Draymond, Looney, Poole, Steph, 
and Clay Thompson on the floor, line of depth. I mean, they're hot. But the only reason that worked is because they paid Clay when they needed the money. They paid the luxury tax when it was needed. Not just because we won championships, because they lost a couple still paid guys. Right. You got to be willing to make the moves to keep your players. Don't draft a guy in 2022 and trade him before the draft of 2023. It's like, what are you saying? Are you saying like the philosophy you had last year is completely scrapped? Because if that's the case, people are like, well, get rid of this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. See, Dallas are the ones that should have went and got Thibel. <laughs> I'm telling you, like teams were taking guys for second round picks. It's like, man, yeah, I'll give you a 2020 hey, second round pick. As long as Jay pick. Crowder got a job, you got no excuse. You know, um, you know, Milwaukee went and got him, you know, like and he didn't even play at all this season when they picked him up. So there's guys out there that Dallas could have got that. I remember when John Wall went to the Clippers and everyone was all, I haven't seen, has he put a jersey on all year? Yeah, I was like, damn, is it 2011? Yo, that dude has made like $120 million the last two or three years. Sitting around. Sitting around wearing Gucci. And Houston didn't even buy him out. What they doing, bro? Like (laughs) They just let him sit. And paid them. Like they paid them forty four million just to sit because that's how bad NBA contracts are. And like that's another thing, you know, the contracts are written poorly because we talked about this before in our contract conversation. Dame Lillard is going to get the highest three amounts over the next three years of his extension. Like it's like yo, if you extended him at twenty seven, pay him the top amount at twenty seven. But they try to play the prime game. It's like, oh, he's going to be in his prime. We'll get some other talent around him. And then when it doesn't work, you get rid of a guy. That's a lot of money for the Jazz to take over, ain't it? Telling you he's going to Utah. (laughs) Telling you, man. Like, you heard it here first. But that's that's why I I don't understand the tank, you know, because, like, you know, like, like I said, this draft, you know, like this isn't that type of draft. Like when you had Zion and Job of Rant, but then you had RJ Barrett as well, you know, and some other players like this ain't that type of draft. So like even the tanking teams, you know, whoever doesn't get Wimbayana, Wimbayama, you know, I'm like, what are you getting? Like Scoot Henderson. Yo, I, saw, I saw a highlight. Three. My son showed me a highlight yesterday with Miyama. He did a he shot a step back three. Got the put back. Got the put back. Yeah. Yeah. It bounced one time off the rim. Because the video he showed me was in slow motion. So the ball goes up, camera pans over, and all as the ball's coming back, all you see is him <laughs> coming through. I was like, I would stop playing basketball after that. Yeah. I'm I'm sitting it down into the draft. Like that's enough. That's yeah. enough. Like you already know, I'm number one pick. Me shooting a step back three, landing, knowing it's gonna be off, stepping up, grabbing the rebound of everyone else, and dunking the putback. Shut yeah, it and that's and that's the thing. You know, you got Scoot Henderson. You know, who's shooting 28 percent from three, and he's like the second best player in the draft. You know, allegedly. Then you got Brandon Miller, and then. You got a bit, and we saw what he did in March Madness. I don't know if that's a precursor or if he was just distracted. But outside of that, once you get past those three, it just kind of guessing. 
Yeah, you're guessing. Yeah. So so it's not as if these teams like Portland, who shut Dame down, is going to get – I mean, unless the lottery just ends up that way, they get Brandon Miller, and then he's everything that everybody thinks that he is. So and, maybe, got... and maybe Portland has an outside shot at a top four seed or something like that. I mean, Portland's sitting right now with 33 wins. So that's – that puts like their fifth. So we got Detroit has 16. So they might get one by Yama. So Detroit, and they don't even need them, but I guess you take them. Yeah, you have to take them. Yeah. So you got Detroit, Rockets, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland. Oh, what if, what if, uh, Victor goes with LaMelo? Not Charlotte's Charlotte's gonna butcher it. <laughs> Charlotte's gonna take Scoot Henderson. <laughs> They'll take him number one. You know, but but yeah, like you know what I mean. So there's options out here, like you know, to, to, for Victor. You know, there's a bunch of different teams that could end up. So if Portland ended up with Victor, then okay, you know, we cooking with grease. You know, but that's not very likely. What's the biggest market? Of these, so the bottom six probably Houston. Houston, that's what Gilbert Arena said. He was like, He's going to Houston. He's like, You need that guy in the big market, which I don't understand because, like, literally everything's everywhere. Everything is everywhere. They're well, on if, TV if Pop, all the time. If Pop was like, you know, 61, you know, I would like to see him with Pop, you know. Uh, um, he's 71, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's. And so I don't know. This could be his last year. I don't know. But, you know, but Detroit, you know, I would love to see Detroit be good again. You know, they have a good coach, you know, but they are at the top of the draft every year. So that coach probably isn't going to be there very much longer. If you get the number one pick, I, you got to boot a coach. Yeah, you got to. Don't, even, don't, don't give him a chance to waste the waste number one pick. If you get three or four, then you let them run it back. But if right. you get the number one pick, I think coaches are going to want to come coach there. Right. Maybe Udoka is available. Or yeah, and you, like still, and, you still got, and you still got Kate Cunningham. You know, um, you got Jaden Ivey, who's been looking good, you know, lately. You know, so, I mean, you have something in Detroit. You got like, a team of lottery picks. It's like, you, right. should, you should be better. Don't waste any money on free agents because you end up buying them out. They did it with Blake Griffin. They did it with Jeremy Grant. They just end up, I think they were ready to give, uh, what's the board name? Miles Bridges. Uh-huh. They were ready to give him the bag until he, I don't know what he did to his career. He's, he's, uh, is he on the roster? No. Like Charlotte still has his rights, you know, but. No, like last I heard, he was about to make an album. Just went from the NBA to the hood. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, so that's what I'm saying. Like you know, these teams are at the bottom for a reason. But somebody like Victor can potentially at least get them to a play in next year. You know, like he probably won't have them as a, like a top six seed, but you know, he could get somebody like Detroit to a play in, provided Cade Cunningham comes back with the same momentum that he had his rookie season. Jaden Ivey takes another step forward. 
Like Detroit has talent. You know, it's just young talent. The whole league has talent. You know, like Houston got to get rid of like Kevin Porter or something or you know, like they got Jalen Green, you know, so that could be your one two punch. They said some maturity problem in and yes. In Houston. And, and then they added John Wall back to the locker room. They brought him back? Well, I mean, yeah, they they, they got him from the Clippers for the Eric, the Eric Gordon trade. Oh my god. Yeah, so that's what, what I'm saying. Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, but Tillman Fertitta is cheap, you know, short arms and deep pockets, <laughs> you know. So, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, like these teams are just they're pissing me off just thinking about this and having this conversation right now. Because you know, as a Wizard fan, you know, I would love to get my hands on Victor, so to speak. You know what I mean? But yeah. You know, we got to trade Bradley Bill, which we should have never paid him in the first place. And we would be in the Victor sweepstakes instead of drafting like number four or number five in a three person draft. <laughs> I mean, maybe and, there's and a Oh, by the way, we probably got to pay Porzingis. It's like. Like, do you pay Kuzma? Is that your big three? You're. you're if you're going to get a one-year rental player, you do that when you have everything else in place. You can't have multiple one-year rentals that you might have to rent for two more years each to see if it works. Right. You, The Lakers can get a one-year rental. The Warriors can get a one-year rental. The Clippers can get a one-year rental. Now, certain like if- teams, Memphis can get a – well, Memphis has don't really have any holes. Uh, you know, some team just got you got to be better. If there was going to be a team that shut it down, you know, it would be Atlanta because you know this is like their story. Like they just always end up on the treadmill. Like no matter who they get, you know, they're always good enough to be around the playoff, never bad enough to get, you know, the good player. Like even if they don't make the playoffs, you know, they're still picking late or not picking in the top two or, you know, whatever. So, like, so like, even when they don't make the playoffs, they still don't get it right. So, you know, some of these teams, in, it's in amazing. this league, 20 of the 30 teams make the playoffs, quote-unquote. So you just got to be in the middle third. That's it. You got to be better than nine teams. Yeah. And you got a shot. Yeah. And there's teams that for the last two months have been completely out of that. Almost yeah. not mathematically, but within reason. Well, all intents and purposes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, 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 and that goes back to my earlier point. Like, even though Kyrie just got to Dallas um, after the, tra- I mean, for the trade deadline, if Dallas didn't do some load managing back in November or December, they might have an extra two or three wins. You know, but you yeah, know, you know, it is what it is, y'all. You know, what I'm saying, and that was not get it off my chest, even though you know these teams were making me mad. So you know, yeah. it's time for get it off my chest. You know, am I going first again? I'm gonna go first. I think you, you, you your your topic is a little bit more profound than mine. Mine just just me, old man yelling at the moon. <laughs> so. I, I do this long drive, make the exchange with my daughter, 
and her mother. So I do a long drive. Normally I, I call Mike or I call my pops. I just call somebody just to kind of talk you through. It's about a 13 hour round trip for me. So sometimes I just ride in silence and I think, think about what I'm going to talk about, argue about, whatever the case may be. I put on some odd couple things like that. So I called my pops probably last two hours of my drive and we're talking, we're talking about the final four when it was Miami, UConn, FAU, and, you know, San Diego State. And he, he's, he mentioned something about that they might have to change, and I just cut him off. I was like, nope, not doing it. I'm not doing the whole because it didn't work out for me when I had the advantage. Now we got to change the rule. And I heard some rumblings of a team like I believe the Los Angeles Chargers had a better record than Jacksonville, but had to go to Jacksonville for their playoff game. So people were saying, well, they should change that. Nope. Rule number one that you establish when you come into the season is win our division. We get a home playoff game. We all play by the same rules. So if you went 12 and five in your division and another team went 13 and four, it is what it is. You got the wild card. They won. You should have beat them when you had your opportunity. You didn't get it. Another team goes nine and eight and they win a division. That's fine. That's their division. That's none of your business. We're not changing the rules. Buffalo got the over. They over. They changed the overtime rules because Josh Allen didn't get the ball two seasons ago. Maybe if they would have just played your standard man-to-man defense maybe a cover three and make the pass difficult for Mahomes, So you couldn't just throw it to Tyreek, the fastest dude in the NFL to run, lay down, call a timeout. And then Kelsey just didn't even run a route. He ran like a little wiggle seam route. And he just ran behind Tyreek, caught the pass, ran up, slid, called a timeout. You got, he was like, you, my dad was like, they should have squibbed it. Like, listen, no. You had an opportunity to win that game in regulation. You got the overtime. You had another opportunity. Yeah, the coin toss didn't go your way, but your defense went on the field. It wasn't like Kansas City won the coin toss and they got two plays from the 10-yard line to see if they can score. They had to go the length of the field and they scored a touchdown and shut it down. But yet, we got to go on the competition committee and change it up. Listen, if you didn't, if they didn't give up the field goal with 13 seconds left, we wouldn't even have the conversation about changing the overtime rules. So these teams, we got 68 teams in the tournament. You want all number one seeds to make it to the final four? Cool. They can win their games just like the four or five and the other five and the nine seed did to make it to the final four. Don't make it easy. Don't come up with something like, oh, they get a bye until the sweet 16, or we're going to go with, 76 teams and the top eight teams are going to get a buy. No, we're not doing none of that stuff. We got the 68 teams. You got the rules in place. You don't need to extend it. You have everything in place. You know the rules upon arrival. Don't try to change it because it didn't work out in your favor. Don't try to change it because you couldn't charge $2,000 for a ticket to have this basketball game in a football stadium. You rolled the dice thinking you're going to have the number one Houston team Playing in Houston, you probably had all the promos cut, and it didn't work out. It is what it is. Don't go in here trying to change the rules because somebody didn't benefit. Who should have benefited because they they had an advantage. You never won seeds. You played 
theoretically the easiest path and you didn't make it. It is what it is. Take your lumps, come back next year under the same parameters and try to win. Don't go to the competition committee and try to make it easier on yourself when you already have a complete advantage as is. When and you're in, shut up, go home if you lose. Love it, love it, love it. And real quick, we got uh, 56 to 43 UConn with about 9-11 left. And I just want y'all to know that I am absolutely disgusted that at about the 1140 mark, San Diego State already had nine team fouls. You know, so <laughs> so UConn is in the double bonus for the rest of the game, and we still got 852 left. So disgusting, you know. But with that being said, and San Diego State just scored, so 56 to 45. So they keep getting it in within 11, but then, you know, Calcaterra or somebody comes and hits a timely three. So let me take you to June 1st, 1994. The site. Madison Square Garden, MSG, Knicks, Pacers, Game 5. The series is tied 2-2. You might have saw this on winning time, 30 for 30. So Reggie Miller and the Spike Lee rivalry began because the Knicks were putting it on the Pacers, and then Reggie Miller scored 25 points in the fourth quarter, which culminated with him doing the choke sign to Spike Lee, telling them that the Knicks were choking. Now, you know, as a soon-to-be 13-year-old, one of my favorite moments in sports history, because Reggie Miller's my favorite player, because I was always the short, skinny dude. I mean, granted, he's a tall, skinny dude, but I was the short, skinny dude, so I had to find creative ways to get my shot off. You know, I had to create my own screens that nobody even knew that I was doing. And, you know, just come off the screen and shoot it because, you know, I wanted to be like Reggie. So the thing everybody forgets, the Pacers actually lost that series. So they went up three to two. Game six came. And this here comes the irony. Game six came. You know, Reggie got a chance with some free throws late in the game. He missed the first one, hit the second one. Derek Harper comes down, scores. Knicks win and tie the series going back home for game seven. And that was the old Market Square Arena. So then game seven. You know, Reggie came through. You know, he put up 25 points, so he didn't choke. But they lost the game. And him and John Starks had their battles, all that good stuff. But could you imagine if John Starks had walked up to Reggie Miller and did the choke sign in game seven. Could you imagine the Knicks going to the NBA finals and losing to the Houston Rockets and Kenny Smith or somebody walking up to John Starks and doing the choke sign just because he did it to Reggie? Could you imagine the media calling John Starks classless because he did the choke sign to Reggie Miller? Reggie Miller didn't need defending. He knew what he was doing. And you know what Reggie Miller did? He came back and he eventually led the Pacers to the finals at some point. And I'm sorry, get it off my chest. The game is a six-point game now. San Diego State is coming, everybody. 731 to go. But you know, but but you know, what imagine if the media went on this campaign about how 
it was okay for Reggie to do that because he was a competitor. But John Starks was rubbing it in his face and showing bad sportsmanship. I say that to say, leave my Baltimorean alone. <laughs> leave Bayou Barbie alone. Because if you like the trash talk when somebody did it, you liked it when somebody else did it. If you don't like it when one did it, you don't like it when anybody do it. That's the military in me. All or none. You don't get to pick and choose which one is better, which one did it quickly and got off the court, and which one followed her around and then threw up her ring finger too. Because I guarantee you if if uh, Iowa would have won, won that title, Caitlin might have pointed to her ring finger. Just two games ago, she told somebody, shut up, you're down 15. That's classless. No disrespect. But it is. But I like it because sports needs villains, and I want to be entertained. You know, when LeBron went to Miami, it was a big deal. I didn't like it, but I loved it because I was like, you know what? Wear that cloak. Let everybody know you're not here for them. You're here to win. Angel Reese ain't here for you. She's here to be a national champion. Mission accomplished. So with that being said, I'm going to close out and just tell you, don't be ugly, America. God don't like ugly. <laughs> just be entertained and let the good times roll because this was an all-time great women's NCAA tournament. We even had Iowa and Caitlin Clark knock off undefeated South Carolina who hadn't lost in about two years. But this is what you choose to talk about. I heard Shannon Sharp on Undisputed today, and I'm sorry, I went over that. This is me adding on now. I saw Shannon Sharp, I saw a clip of Undisputed, and he said, Skip, I wish we could sit here and talk about that title game. You can! Nobody told you that you got to give that. You choose the topics. Your producer chooses the topic. Tell your producer, hey, I don't even want to talk about that. Let's just keep focused on the game. What are you going to do? Fire you? Tell you to shut up? See, the media, you control the narrative. We talk, the people talk about what you put in the universe. So if you talked about how great the women's tournament was, how great Iowa's win over South Carolina was, how great it was for LSU to knock off that team that knocked off South Carolina, that's what America's talking about. So that's what I wanted to get off my chest. Hey, I feel you. Listen, it's a competitive sport. They're both competitors. So she did, Caitlin did it first. Bayou Barbie did it second. It's like it's the whole getting the last laugh. Like, she I who laughs, laughs, laughs best. <laughs> it's that simple. It's like, oh yeah. By the way, I'm gonna up it. I'm gonna take your move. I made you mm -hmm. with that, mm -hmm. and I made you with this Louisiana on top of it. So now next year when they come back, people are gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna create. I think it's more positive than anything else. I think, I think so that, too. I think that I think the conversation about it is. You know, you know, like we, we there's a racial component to it, and there's a definitely, racial thing definitely. that people want to want to feel into it. But I'm like, listen, man, people talking slick because Patrick Beverly hit LeBron with the too small, and then Austin Reeves did the same thing to him. So it's like, 
it's what you expect to happen. Well, well, you That's know what you expect. You you ready for my uh two five overreaction of the week? I'm gonna say. Hey, if you play this right, you could have your WNBA bird versus magic. Every time they play each other, must see TV. Put it on TV. Put, Put it, it on, on TV. TV. Every time. 58 to 51, UConn with about 650 left, y'all. So San Diego State's making the comeback. Probably still going to fall short because, like I said, UConn's in the bonus, double bonus and hitting their free throws. But now San Diego State's in the bonus. So we got free throws the rest of the way for both teams. So who's going to win? Who lives? Who dies? Who tells your story? You know, so what's the deal, Raph? We at the end of another show. Listen, man, I'm just enjoying the national championship game over here on Paramount Plus. Probably going to cancel unless they sponsor us. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to everybody watching, everybody listening, all the downloads. Thank you. Uh, like I said, always send the feedback, make comments, hit me up on Facebook. Uh, you can see my name is pretty simple. You can hit me up on Twitter. Fear my wrath. You can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit me up on, I mean, anywhere. Anywhere you want to hit us up, you can see it right here in the my picture. Instagram at Sports Reports is ordered. You can hit Mike on Twitter at 2-Bit Reports or Instagram MLDub. Like I said, appreciate it. I know we like these uh these two-hour podcasts. I like the time frame. We get we really get into the nitty-gritty of our conversation. We won't shortchange you. Uh, if you see Mike's notes, it's crazy long. It's like a two and a half page report. <laughs> oh, this one I, mean, I got. So I got three pages today. Typed up. <laughs> Times New Roman, size twelve. That's right. Oh, sixty to fifty-three. With about six, we're running up on six minutes now. But America, like us, rate us, review us. It's free. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast, follow, download, all of that. All it takes is a click. All it takes is a click. We appreciate Wi-Fi everywhere. Yes, we appreciate the support. You know, we love y'all. You know, like hopefully y'all enjoying everything. Let us know what we can do better. Let us know what you love, you know, because this is your show at the end of the day. We're just the speakers. And on that note. Love you, America. We out. And we out. You know what I'm saying? Please join us to my funky melody. If it plays. (laughs) I don't even know what just happened right there, but it didn't play. There you go. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Sports Reports Disorder. See you on Friday. Peace. <laughs>